Good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. It was amusing uh, to watch many liberal opinion makers strain to remain civil as they watched Glenn Youngkin, who they longed to paint as Glenn Bumpkin, uh, beat the suave, sophisticated governor of Virginia, Terry McAuliffe. I mean, some of the remarks, MSNBC's Nicole Wallace asserted that this was a, a, a Trump insurrection, <laughs> a Trump insurrection-endorsed Republican. That's how she described uh, Glenn Youngkin. Uh, you had other uh, claims being made that somehow Youngkin's victory was a direct result of, what is this here, uh, whiteness. Here it is, yeah. Uh, this comes from a tweet from uh, Wajahat Ali. Whiteness remains undefeated. Okay. Uh, this wasn't about race. Now, let me go into this a little bit. Uh, it was about class. It was about the betters getting bitter about those who refused to accept them as betters. Now, Youngkin was underdog to the far more experienced Terry McAuliffe. McAuliffe had served as co-chair of President Bill Clinton's 96 re-election campaign. He headed up the Democratic National Committee for four years. He chaired Hillary Clinton's 2008 presidential campaign. In other words, Terry McAuliffe, sitting governor of Virginia, has a distinguished Democrat Party pedigree. Youngkin, by comparison, was a mongrel. He had no political pedigree. He had never run before. He made his success in the business world. McAuliffe tried to nationalize the election by bringing in Democrat heroes like Barack Obama, Vice President uh, Kamala Harris, uh, getting the public endorsement of President Biden. McAuliffe ran against Donald Trump in January 6th, and he allowed his followers to accuse Youngkin of sounding dog these dog whistles to bring out the racists in the land, which is rather hilarious. Joe Biden won Virginia by 10%. Less than a year ago. So apparently, what, the racist stayed home uh, last uh, November? Uh, Virginia's got a very fickle uh, approach to race, I guess. Youngkin didn't look to national figures. They were irrelevant to Virginia. He was state-focused. He didn't even ask Donald Trump to campaign on his behalf. He looked at Virginia's education problems, their tax problems. And what Terry McAuliffe carelessly said during a debate, I don't think parents should be telling schools what they should teach. It quickly turned into parents should be kept out of the education process. Uh, within, fair, fair or not, that's the way it came across. And within 24 hours, Youngkin had TV spots attacking McAuliffe as an elite who didn't understand that parents are the first and primary educators of their children. McAuliffe was stunned by the attack. He tried to take it back. But look, a bell once rung can't be unrung. And this became the turning point in the campaign. The poll numbers began to shift towards Yunkin. Yunkin and his supporters, and this is where there's tremendous misunderstanding. Yunkin and his supporters seized on the phrase critical race theory as one of the problems in high school education. McAuliffe's supporters accused Yunkin of being intellectually lazy. Critical race theory, they pointed out is a body of legal scholarship created by uh, left-wing U.S. civil rights scholars and activists who challenge moderate and liberal approaches to racial justice. It's not high school material. Well, technically speaking, that's true. But the phrase does appear on the Virginia Department of Education website, 
which includes a presentation from 2015 encouraging teachers to, quote, listen carefully, quote, embrace critical race theory in order to re-engineer attitudes and belief systems, end quote. Teachers may not have been teaching critical race theory in the abstract, but some were definitely practicing in the way that they were relating to students. Listen, it wasn't intellectual laziness that had Yunkin and his supporters complaining about critical race theory. It was McAuliffe and his supporters, like Van Jones, uh, former President Obama, uh, Larry Sabato, the pollster. They were so disengaged from the real protest of parents that they hadn't noticed that the phrase critical race theory had morphed into an umbrella term for the many forms of social engineering that parents have resisted, not very successfully, for two generations now. This is what happens when you view those parents as less than you, when you view them as deplorables, when you think of yourself as somehow better. You fail to give the deplorables the attention they deserve, and that's what happened here. Critical race theory became the umbrella term for the belief that only by making white students uncomfortable with their whiteness could one gain benefit for black students. It became the umbrella term for the claims that socialism hasn't really been properly tried yet. We should try. For the claim that gender is fluid and that it's a mistake to assign a baby a gender at birth. That morality is situational rather than absolute. That religious faith is opposed to science and is prone to violence. That America's success is principally due to our oppression of indigenous peoples and slaves. Parents in America don't buy that. They want their children educated, but they don't want the kids educated against their foundational beliefs about life and about the country. Now, last night, something else happened that many people are, I think, unaware of, and that is that uh, there's a new lieutenant governor uh, in Virginia. Winsome Sears is her name. She was elected lieutenant governor last night, the first woman, the first black, the first woman of Jamaican origin to be elected to statewide office. Her dad came to the U.S. in 1963, just a few months before she was even born. He got himself established, and when she was six, he brought her to the U.S., she told that story last night in her victory speech. This, again, Winsome Sears, the new, well, the lieutenant governor-elect of Virginia. Here are some of the highlights. When I stepped on that Pan Am Boeing 737 and landed at JFK, I landed in a new world. I am not even first-generation American. When I joined the Marine Corps, I was still a Jamaican, but this country had done so much for me. I was willing, willing to die for this country. There are some who want to divide us, and we must not let that happen. They would like us to believe we are back in 1963 when my father came. We can live where we want. We can eat where we want. We own the water fountains. We have had a black president elected not once but twice, and here I am, living proof. In case you haven't noticed, I am black, and I have been black all my life. But that's not what this is about. What we are going to do is we are going to now be about the business of the Commonwealth. 
It's a historic night. Yes, it is. But I didn't run to make history. I just wanted to leave it better than I found it. God was exactly with us. Otherwise, we would never have made it. And so I want to finish up by thanking you, Jesus. How sweet it is. You know, the, uh, there's a certain significant uh, segment of uh, the American population that wants to believe that the primary issue facing America today is race. Look, that, in all honesty, that issue was settled. It was settled a generation ago. And, um, you know, there's still mopping up actions that have to occur. But the point is, it's not the focus. And most Americans don't think it's the focus. In fact, how about, let's, let's switch gears a little bit here. There's something else that we should take away from, uh, you know, uh, last night's elections. Most of the media attention, of course, uh, it was in Virginia. And it was about on uh, the influence of Donald Trump, uh, which Youngkin did not draw upon. Uh, but under the surface of all this political stuff, there's actually a spiritual uh, culture being developed in a social network that connected the three top candidates in Virginia. Uh, the, the Republican effort in Virginia was really tied together in many ways by faith in Christ. Youngkin goes to an evangelical Episcopal church, Holy Trinity. He, uh, it provides a retreat center for the fellowship of Christians in universities and schools. Uh, in the United Kingdom, Youngkin actually served on the executive committee of Holy Trinity Brompton, which is the home church of the Alpha Course. Uh, Winsome Sears, the new uh, lieutenant governor of Virginia, is African-American, who headed a homeless ministry for the Salvation Army, as well as being a vice president of the Board of Education uh, for Virginia, where she had served. Uh, she is also a Marine. Attorney General-elect, who we didn't hear, is Jason Miaris, who's a Latino. Uh, he's a Christian, a member of Galilee Episcopal Church, which is an evangelical-leaning Episcopal Church. Uh, of course, this is not going to get very much reporting, but for a generation now, since the um, at least since the mid-1970s, Christians in America, and by Christians I'm referring to those who actually have a high view of divine revelation, that they believe God has spoken, and that we do have, uh, we can be oriented to um, uh, truth, we can be oriented to a flourishing life, uh, by focusing in on what God has revealed about himself in Scripture and in the incarnation of the Word of God, Christ Jesus. Uh, Christians of that sort began entering into political activity. The abortion issue mobilized them more than any other single issue. And they are now part of the warp and woof of largely Republican Party politics. Okay, And that's because of the abortion issue. Uh, the abortion issue has really poisoned American politics, and it's made it difficult for Christians who have a high view of divine revelation and a high view of human dignity um, to not in some way be associated with the Republican Party, which has claimed the mantle of being pro-life. There's just no denying that. You may think it's insincere. You may have all kinds of criticisms. But the point is, normally when you go into the polling booth, you have a, a choice. In America, Republican or Democrat. I know there are third parties, of course. And there are even parties like the American Solidarity Party, which has tried to incorporate Catholic social doctrine as well. But I, 
I do think over the last generation, since the mid-70s, we have seen Christians enter more and more into the warp and woof of American party politics. Only God knows if that's going to be ultimately fruitful. There have been a lot of setbacks along the way. In 2000, there were high hopes for George W. Bush. Uh, That presidency did not turn out as uh, folks had intended. We don't know what the future holds, but last night, there's no doubt that people like Glenn Youngkin were completely misunderstood, and his supporters were completely misunderstood. His opponents were focused on race, when Youngkin and many of his supporters were focused on prayer. More on this in the next hour.